Years ago, I woke up early one morning and I was going hunting. And for all the hunting guys out there in the room and gals for that matter, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I'm a little crazy. Sometimes I'll wake up several hours before dawn and I'll get in my truck and I'll drive to the blind and I'll make that little pilgrimage and I'll get in there because I wanna get to that blind before first light. And I've done that many times where I've set the clock at an absurd hour in the middle of the night and wake up and go crawl in the truck. But as I was driving on this one particular day, I was heading that direction and I started to face an obstacle. It was the driving conditions. And it wasn't the roadways. Of course, there was no one else crazy on the road other than me. So I wasn't traffic I was facing. But what I was facing was fog. And have you ever driven on the road where the fog is so thick you just can't even see where you're going? And it was so early in the middle of the night and there was this cloud of fog on the roadways and I could not see anything beyond about five to 10 feet in front of my truck. So I kept driving for a while but then I realized this isn't safe. So I stopped and I went back home. Now the problem wasn't that I was lost, I knew exactly where I was on that road, but the problem was I couldn't see clearly where I was going. The problem was I didn't have clear vision. Because what is vision? Vision is not seeing where you are, vision is seeing where are we going, and more importantly, what are we becoming? See, vision is seeing clearly what God has for you ahead of you. And what the Bible says is when you don't have clear vision, you always go backwards. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, Solomon, who's the wisest person ever to walk on this earth aside from Jesus Christ, he said, where there is no vision, the people perish. That word vision is used 35 times, that Hebrew word in the Old Testament. And every time it's being used, it's used to describe this idea of knowing where you're going, knowing what God is calling you to do, knowing what God is calling you to be. And Solomon says when people can't see clearly where they're going in life, he says they perish. Now you might say that seems like an absurd conclusion. The meaning of that word, if you study it, is not physical death. That's not what he's saying, although perhaps physical death may come in some circumstances. That word perish actually means to go backwards. A good example of this in the Old Testament is in Numbers. Numbers chapter 14, you might remember, Israel is wandering. They had just been led across the Red Sea by their great leader, Moses, and they saw God move in a profound way. And then they cross that sea, and you remember what happens from there? They start to wander through the wilderness. And they go to their leader, Moses, in Numbers chapter 18, and you remember what they wanted? They said in Numbers 14, rather, they said, we want to go backwards. They said, we want to go back and become slaves to Egypt all over again. And why? It's because they didn't have vision. They couldn't see where they were going. So they wanted to revert and go backwards. And this is what happens in our lives. If we don't know where we're going, we are prone to go the wrong direction. This happens in our homes. 
If homes lack vision, what happens is the relationships start to go backwards. If you don't know what your home's about, where you're going, and most importantly, who you are pursuing in the person of Jesus Christ, relationships start to go backwards and things start to drift. It's the same thing in the professional realm. If companies lack vision, they don't know where they're going and where they're heading and how they're gonna get there, you know what always happens? Those companies start to shrivel. They go backwards. Profitability goes down. Things aren't going the right direction because they don't know where they're heading. And church, can I tell you this principle is equally true in churches. Churches that don't know where they're going, you know where they usually go? Backwards. They also will begin to shrink. Because if you don't have clarity of where you're going and what are we about and what are we pursuing, those churches over time begin to go the wrong direction. They start to shrink and they become complacent and they shrivel. That's why God wants us to have vision as a family of faith. And I'm proud to say that here at Austin Baptist Church, I believe we are a church of vision. In fact, our church was founded by a vision. That was the only thing we had, as many of y'all know. 15 years ago, in July of 2007, God called about 80 people together to form what would become Austin Baptist Church. And at that moment, those who were in that room, they will gladly tell you the only things they had was a box of paper clips and a few number two pencils. They didn't have a pastor. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have land. They didn't have anything. No staff, but what did they have? Vision. They knew that God was calling them to establish a family of faith in Austin, Texas. That vision led them to go up this mountain. In fact, there's a picture you'll see on the screen. When you come in through our main entrance, you'll see this building dedication sign. And there's that verse of Isaiah 2.3, come let us go up the mountain to the Lord. And that became the campaign cry for this family of faith in 2010 as the land was acquired. God had providentially given us nearly 35 acres. And in 2012, they made the trek up the mountain, referring to this very large hill many of you drove up on 2222. And then they went up the mountain, and the mountain became the Lord's, and God has blessed our church with so much as these buildings have been open now for 10 years. It was, in fact, last week, September 9th of 2012, when our doors first opened. And God's done a powerful work through Austin Baptist Church, but the question is this. If we've gone up the mountain, and the mountain is the Lord's, what are we supposed to do now? And I believe Jesus actually answers that question for us in Matthew 5. He says, now we must shine as a city on a hill. And today we're going to look to this message. It's the same message I preached on this exact same Sunday a year ago. And we're going to look at four ways that God is calling us to shine as a family of faith And we're going to celebrate some of those victories this past year, but most importantly, we're going to look ahead to the future of ways that God could shine on this city on a hill for many years to come. So if you have your Bible, join me right there, Matthew 5, and we'll read this text, and we'll jump into it. Jesus tells us, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light in all the house. 
So in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says us, the family of faith, the body of Christ, the church, he gives us a picture to understand who we are supposed to be. He says you are a city on a hill. He didn't say you're a country club on a hill. He didn't say you're a social club on a hill. He said you're a city on a hill placed there purposefully to shine his light out into a world that's looking at us. Well, then the question is, what does a city on a hill do? What does it offer? I would contend there's two things. A city on a hill is a place of refuge for believers. First of all, a city on a hill is a place of refuge for believers. Church, can we just acknowledge we live in a dark world? That's why God gives us the church. He gives us the church to shine, and the reality is we shine brighter when we're together. And this church is a refuge for believers, that we live in a crazy world, but we come together as a family of faith, locking arms and submitting to the word of God as a family and as a community. And people come to our church every week, and perhaps it's you today, and you're just tired, and you're looking for relief, you're looking for refuge, you're looking to be fed, and I want to tell you, welcome home. Because a city on a hill is a place of refuge for the believers that we look to the light and we're drawn together in that light. But then secondly, a city on a hill is a place of hope for the lost. You see, God's designed his church to shine in a way that stands out. We're not supposed to look like the rest of this city. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be different. Not because we want to be different, it's because we are different. It's because the Spirit of God is in our hearts and where the Spirit of God is, there is power. And we're called to shine in a different way to where people can look to us and say that place is different. And by the grace of God, some might be trapped in darkness and they might say, I want to experience some of that light. I want some of that in my life as well. So then the question is, how are we called to shine? If God's placed us here strategically, he sent us up this mountain and he's called us now to shine, how are we called to shine? Last year I went through a whole City on a Hill sermon series, and you can hear the longer version online. But we looked at four ways that we believe God's calling this church specifically to shine. The first is this, we believe that God wants to light up your life. We believe God wants to light up your life right here on this hill. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Well, then the question is, how do you light up? He said, some people, the church, are the light of the world. How's that possible? 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, we're told that God is a God of light, and in him is no darkness at all. And he saw the darkness in the world, and we're told that he sent the light of the world, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Christ entered into this world to save us from the darkness. And when we start to follow the light of the world, you know what happens? We begin to start shining like him. We start looking different. And we start standing out and actually fulfilling the purposes that God has placed on each of our hearts and our lives and the life of this church. And how does it happen? How do we follow Jesus and how does he light up our life? It's the word of God. 
Psalm 119, 105, thy word, O Lord, is what? It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. And that's why here at ABC, we take the word of God seriously. We're submitted to this word of God. We're not going to preach another book. We're not going to preach cultural ideas. And we're not going to compromise the truth because this is the truth. This is what unites us. This is what we submit to, and it's our source of power. The word of God is living and active, and we are committed to it, and we believe it has the power to light up your life. In fact, the church has been commissioned to protect and preserve and lift up this book. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. And what is the household of God? He says, it's the church of the living God. And what is the church? He says, it's a pillar and buttress of the truth. He says that the church is a pillar and a buttress, meaning the church has been given this mission to hold up, a buttress to support, lift up, hold it up so everyone else can see the truth, the word of God. But can I just tell you, frankly, there are many churches that are not lifting up the word of God. There's many that are trying to silence it. And instead of let the book speak into culture, they let the culture speak into the book. And when you do that, it's diluting the power because the word of God does not need our defense. It stands on its own. And we hold it up unapologetically in this church and we always will. And when we lift up the word of God, you know what happens? This place starts to shine because he's our power source. Last year on the same day, we had a sign that we revealed here in this room. You might remember it's now in the great hall, but it said, let there be light. And some of y'all thought we might have needed a love offering or something because we were missing a bunch of light bulbs. But that was done purposefully. If you hadn't caught what happened, we put up this sign, let there be light to communicate that vision. And each one of those bulbs at the time when it was first introduced represented one person who'd been baptized that year. There were a couple dozen bulbs in there on this Sunday last year. But we have been lifting up the book. We have been preaching the word of God. And now today, if you walk out, it looks like this. Every single bulb is filled up. Which, praise the Lord, I will tell you, we didn't plan that stuff. That's not something you can manufacture. But actually, that literally happened last week. We baptized five people in the last week, and it just happened providentially that every single bulb, 101 bulbs, are now filled on that board since this week last year. It's now full. And I believe the reason it's full is because the Word of God still convicts and calls and compels and guides and sanctifies. The Word of God is living and active. And as Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, 11, the word of God will not return void. It always accomplishes its purposes. So we're committed to it because we believe it will light up your life. And that's why we're also committed to Bible fellowship groups. In the last year, we've had three Bible fellowship groups that were added. We added a college Bible study called Launched. We added a cornerstone Bible study for new couples that are just starting their homes. And we also added the Seasons Bible study, a class for empty nesters. And we will continue to add Bible fellowship groups because we believe God lights up our lives when we open this book and study it together. But the second way we were called to shine, as we talked about last week, we believe God wants to light up your life. We discussed this last year. But we also believe God wants to light up your home. 
God wants to light up your home. Jesus says there in that passage, going back to the text, he says that a lamp in a house is not meant to be hidden. We believe that God wants to shine in your home that he wants the word to shine in there. Doesn't matter what stage of life, doesn't matter if you're single, married, doesn't matter if you have a whole bunch of kids, grandkids, whatever your home looks like, God wants to shine inside of it. And that's why here at ABC, we are committed to partnering with families. As we just discussed, even in the last sermon series, we want to see families in our area build homes that will last. So we're committed to the next generation at Austin Baptist Church. In fact, in the last 12 months since we last stood on the stage, we sent over 30 family devotionals called Light Up Your Home Devotionals that were sent to equip parents to help them have spiritual conversations with their kid in their homes. In the last 12 months, we had our first ever marriage conference with best-selling author Gary Thomas who helped equip and lead over 200 parents and, and, and adults here in this room together. We also had our first ever parenting seminar. As you heard on the ABC Next, that was last month, and now we're going to have a four-week series in the coming days. In the last 12 months, we also have successfully finished our first year of the Little Lights Preschool, which we now offer a licensed preschool where we are reaching children and teaching them and putting the Word of God into their hearts at a young age. And I'm proud to say we had the cutest and first graduating class of the Little Lights Preschool. In the last 12 months, our preschool ministry has also started Uplift. Uplift is a preschool worship service that is specifically catered to them, where it's, as you can see, a dynamic room filled with equipped and called leaders that are teaching the littlest ones the truth of God's word in a compelling and engaging way. In the last 12 months, we had another successful vacation Bible school. We saw nearly 500 children and adults and teenagers come through our doors. We had 62 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ amongst those children, and it was a powerful week. In the last 12 months, we've had a preteen camp. We sent a bus full of third to fifth graders, and we saw three kids come back and get baptized there from that camp. We also sent students to beach camp. We sent over 100 students and leaders out to Alabama. We saw 12 teenagers make decisions for Jesus Christ and 10 of them be baptized. And we also offered our first ever creative arts camp here at the church. We had over 60 children come show up for really an amazing, amazing event where they got to put together a production, learn how to use their gifts and explore the arts through the lens of the gospel. And it was a powerful week. God has been lighting up homes for the last 12 months, and my prayer is that he'll light up many, many more for years to come. The third thing we looked at in this passage is that we're also called to light up your neighborhood. We believe that's what we're about here at ABC, lighting up your neighborhood. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, Jesus is saying, what starts here should go with us everywhere we go. We shouldn't be able to blend in. We should look different, is what Jesus said. He said, actually, if you're blending in, something's gone wrong. You should look different. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And we believe that Austin, Texas needs the body of Christ to shine. If you just look at simple stats, George Barna, and this is old research in 2019, it's probably worse by this point, frankly. But in 2019, he found that Austin, Texas is one of the most post-Christian cities in the United States of America. And what he meant by that was 48%, according to their research of our city, has no form of Christian identity, belief, or practice. 
Half our city has no form, meaning not even just a little bit, of Christian belief, identity, or practice. Likewise, within, 700, 000, or within 10 miles of this church, there are 700,000 people right here in our neighborhood within 10 miles. And if you do the research, really about a quarter of them or less, 25% or less, are actively engaged in any form of religion. We live in a dark world. That's why we're called to light up our neighborhoods. And we've been engaging our community in the last 12 months. I'm proud to say we had our Freedom Over Austin event in July. We saw over 2,000 people come to our campus, praise the Lord. They heard the gospel communicated from the stage. We prayed over our nation. We prayed over our country, our city. And we had an amazing time building community right here at our church home. We also had our trunk or treat in October. We'll have another one next month so you can save the date and start looking ahead. Hundreds of families engaging our church here in our community, coming on campus to experience the love of Christ. Last Christmas, we had Merry Christmas, y'all with over a 1,000 people showing up for the concert where they heard the gospel, the story of Jesus presented through song. And we had an amazing carnival outside for family members all in our community. In the last 12 months, we had our first ever Go Blue Sunday. Chief Chacon from APD came and joined us right here in this worship center. And we had an amazing time honoring our community, those who protect us day in and day out. And we honored them, and it was a beautiful, beautiful morning. Every week we have Man Up, as y'all heard about a few weeks ago. We have over 80 men from our community show up on Thursday mornings every week here to study God's word as it's part of our mission to light up our neighborhoods. We partnered at the Governor's Prayer Breakfast on National Day of Prayer this past year. We helped sponsor the event and we were there with an active presence in our community that we want to partner to shine in the city. Last, a couple weeks ago, we were at the Steiner Ranch concert in the park engaged conversations with nearly 3,000 people that were at that event, telling them about Austin Baptist Church right here in the community and looking to get them active and engaged in our church. And over the summer, we got to uh, engage over 300 college students at an event. And since then, we've had over 40 first-time college students come through our church doors in the last few weeks. Praise the Lord. I believe we have been lighting up our neighborhood. I believe we've been engaging our community but once again, there's more work to be done. The fourth and final point there that we discussed was our calling to light up the world. Jesus says in verse 16 of that passage, he says, let your light shine before others so that, he said there's a reason, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So we are missional here at Austin Baptist Church. In the last 12 months, we've had several milestone moments. We saw God lead us to pack 20,000 meals for Haiti, which was a wonderful mission opportunity we had right here at the church. We had our ABC serves. We partnered with 10 different ministry areas. We had 100 volunteers hit, hit the road and get to service. We partnered in Ukrainian support and we sent $25,000 to help refugees. We had our white Christmas in December. We had over 275 volunteers, 250 gifts, 125 baskets of food that were given to people in need. 
We had our project home build, which we just wrapped up. You can finally see our great hall once again because the house is removed. But we are now shipping that house to South Texas to bless a family in need. Our student ministry had their first mission trip in several years. They went to Montana and had a successful trip on a reservation. We have a trip going to Greece here in a few weeks to go help with refugees. We did our baby bottle campaign for Trotter House, and we gave thousands of dollars to help mothers in need. In our annual missions offerings as a whole in the last 12 months, we have given $131,000 directly to missions above and beyond our operational budget, which, praise the Lord, God's done an amazing work, as I do believe we are lighting up the world. And church, I say all that stuff not to just pat us on the back, but I genuinely do this to praise the Lord. I mean, praise God that God has moved in that amount of ways through our church in the last 12 months. Many churches would love to have two of those ways. God's moved in a powerful way in this church family, and we should honor him and give thanks to him for what he's done. But then also, church family, we should not get satisfied. You see, the point of all of that is not just to pat us on the back and tell us how great we are. The point of that is to tell us we've just begun. That's the beginning. Because what does Paul say in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13? He says, there's one thing I do. He says, I forget what's behind me, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. And I believe God has a lot bigger things for us. And we're going to shine in those four ways in areas and ways that we've never in years past. In fact, for the last year, our long-range planning committee has come together, and they've had meetings, praying, thinking, considering, dreaming, how is God going to shine through this church in the coming years? As they've been working to put together a strategic plan for our site here, the property, the assets that God has entrusted to us, how can God use this place to light up the world and help fulfill the mission that he's given us? So there's this term that you'll see come up on the screen called the Lighthouse Project. And this term was put together by the Long Range Planning Committee to help put a phrase to help explain what the purpose is of all of this. That we want, we believe as a church for the coming days, the future expansion of our property to be about shining light into areas of darkness. To helping meet the needs of other people in our city, but also all around the world. So that idea of us building a lighthouse that was presented and started getting discussed on and talked about for well over a year. And the question was considered, where should we shine first? And there's an area that we thought that we really believe that could use some light in this world. And what is it? It's families. Families are under attack in Austin, Texas. They are under attack. Record stress, anxiety, marriages are breaking, kids are rebelling, people are lost all around us. They need help. So then the idea came up for us to have what we call a family support center. And the family support center was the idea of having a building that would be constructed here on our property that would really help families in three strategic ways. The first one is to help pregnant mothers who are in crisis. I know weeks ago we celebrated the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I still celebrate it and thank the Lord for that victory. But I also said from the stage, and I meant it, that it's not time to have a victory lap. That where Roe v. Wade ends, really the ministry just begins. Because mothers will still get pregnant. They still will not have resources. But they're going to have to figure out, how do I bring up this child? And there will be a need 
for the bride of Christ, the family of God, to step up and help those mothers. So we thought through how can we help pregnant mothers in need. The second thing was adoption ministry, that the Family Support Center could have a component of adoption ministry, meaning how do we equip and partner and bless Christian couples who are ready to take children in their homes. Children that need homes, and there will be Christian parents that will rise up to bring them in, and how do we equip them, help them, love them, and bless them? So adoption ministry came to mind. The third thing that came to mind was counseling. As I already mentioned, there's a need for Christian counseling in our community. That right now, mental health is at the worst place in American history. Marriages are breaking. Parenting relationships are breaking down. Addictions have skyrocketed. There are sexual addictions, substance addictions, pornography addictions. There are children that are confused. There's all kinds of issues in our world. And so Christian family counseling was thrown out there as part of that vision. So that vision brought together this picture that you'll see come up of the Family Support Center. And the Family Support Center, this was put together to think of a building that could potentially offer all three of those components. And the Family Support Center was put together and drawn up through the, uh, the leadership of the Long Range Planning Committee as an idea of a facility that could house all of that. Pregnancy resources, adoption, and counseling. And as you'll see on this picture, there's a lighthouse there in the middle, and that was done intentionally to send that mission that everything in this facility would be given to shine the light of Jesus Christ out to families in need. And this building's a beautiful facility. As you can see, it meets the same look of obviously the building that you're walking in today, but it's done intentionally to meet those ministries. In fact, go ahead and put up the next picture with the floor plan. You'll see it's a versatile unit. On the left side, I know some of this is small, you won't be able to see all the details, but I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. The lighthouse is in the middle. On the left side is the Pregnancy Resource Center with everything that you would need to make that successful. On the right side is counseling space, both for a counseling center, but also for adoption ministry needs. And this floor plan is an interesting floor plan for this facility because there's expansion space as well. You probably can't see it, but at the top of there, there's a dotted line that says future ministry space. So you could actually build out further if more ministries were thought of and dreamed of that could help families in need. You could add more elements to it. But additionally, I love this floor plan because it can be built out in phases. In fact, put up that next picture, if you will. As you can see, half the building disappeared in this photo. And the reason why is this building could be constructed in phases. So on this picture, you have to the left of that lighthouse, you have the Pregnancy Resource Center, but the counseling adoption is not there yet. So you have that on the left because it could be a launching point to begin with the Pregnancy Resource Center. And in fact, the Long Range Planning Committee believes that the Pregnancy Resource Ministry could be the first ministry that would come. And why is that? One reason is we have a great partner that we could work with. As many of you know, our church already partners with an organization called the Trotter House which they do all of this in the city of Austin. Lori DeVillas is part of our church, the executive director. We've partnered with them with volunteers and money for years. We've talked with Lori and with a pregnancy resource center in this area, bless Central Texas, and there was an emphatic yes. And the other conversation was, if there was a facility constructed, would Trotter House be interested in operating it for a few years? And the answer was yes. And the idea is we could build a building here Trotter House could use their knowledge base, 
take the operational budget and fund it. We would simply have it there. They would come in and we would provide resources, volunteers, and support. So there is a phase one aspect to this. Question then is, where is it? Show the next picture. This is on the Ryblin Ranch side of the property. You can see that's what many have called in the years past the one acre tract. It's right across from the dentist office and all of those things. And you can see it'd be located right there. I like it there in that location personally for three reasons. The first one is that it's on the property but detached from the building, which is purposeful. A lot of those ministry areas, a little healthy separation from the rest of the buildings is good. But then the second thing is that building, when you come up the hill, it'd be the first impression you would see, this lighthouse project. But then the third reason why I like that placement right there is I thought it was an interesting how this all came together. I met with Lori about a year ago in my office, just getting acquainted and talking ministry and dreaming different things. And I asked Lori the honest question back then that the Long Range Planning Committee was considering. I said, would a pregnancy resource center make sense out here? And we had that conversation as I already told you. But then when we finished that meeting, I went to Matt and I told him, I think it really makes sense to have that on the one acre tract. Kind of threw out that, that out there as an idea. Matt then went and got this picture, and you can throw it up there. This is actually from the Long Range Planning Committee back in 2014. And on that same one-acre track, there was a facility that was constructed pretty much to the same dimensions that we're looking at. And then as they were trying to consider back in 2014 what would go in that kind of facility, if you can zoom in on the next photo for the bottom right corner, you'll see it says ministry-related tenant space for counseling, marriage, family, career, and pregnancy which I thought that quite interesting, that it wasn't a new idea. In fact, this is an old idea that I didn't even know about. It was an old idea. In other words, it's not my vision or this committee's vision. This was the vision of the church from the beginning. It's just a further on continuation of it, which is pretty amazing. So then let me answer a couple questions real quickly as we wrap. These are the practical ones you're asking. Why? Why? Why should we do this? And I'll tell you simply, because we can, because we're blessed to be a blessing. That's why. But the family of Christ always has to move forward in mission. God's never called the church to sit still. That's not in the Bible. I've read the whole book. It's not in there. He doesn't say sit still and be happy and do nothing anymore. No, he says always advance. He never tells us to retreat. And I believe we've been blessed to be a blessing. And we can bless more. We can help more. We can shine more. And we've done hard things. We're a hard things church. We could do hard things again one day. Second question you're asking is how? By God's grace. It would take money. The Pregnancy Resource Center would be about $750,000. To build the whole family support center would be over a million dollars. I would never advise or encourage debt right now. We already carry debt, as many of you know. But I do believe this could be a cash-driven project if God led our church to do so one day. The third question, probably the most important one some of you are asking is when? And the answer to that, I don't know. That's the thing with vision. Vision doesn't have timelines or constraints. It's just about where are we going and what we must become. The answer on when ultimately is if the church takes on this vision of the long range planning committee. If the church feels a burden to give and plan, all those normal things would take place of votes and all that stuff, building committee, campaign committee, et cetera. But the question then as we close today is, what could you do right now? In light of all this, 
what God's calling us to do and perhaps what he's calling us to become, what could you do today? I'm gonna close with two simple words. I encourage you to invite and invest. Invite and invest, what do I mean by that? First one on invite. I do believe God's leading this church to do big things. I believe he's leading us to be impactful in the city of Austin and beyond. I believe that this church could become the church, the it church for families in Austin, Texas. But you know the way that happens? It's by inviting, by taking that vision and making it your own. In fact, so that's the thing about vision. Vision's not a one-person thing. Vision actually takes root when everyone carries it together. And I encourage you to invite, if you believe in the vision of our church, then carry that vision as your own and get others to come and carry it with you. In fact, lousy vision is vision that one guy can carry himself. Good vision is a vision so big that you can't handle it yourself. You need other people to carry it with you. So I encourage you, invite. Invite and build up the city and the city. But then the second thing is invest. What is your next step in this church? If you've been attending, then join. If you've joined, then go to BFG, belong to a community. If you're in a BFG, then start serving. If you've been serving, start giving. If you've been giving, start going. Be a part of missions. If you've been doing all this, start leading. But we need people to step up to carry out the vision of this church. And if I could say one quick word in closing to my fellow Gen Z, millennials, Gen Xs in particular in this church, we need you. We need you. And what I mean by that is all that's taken place to this day is we know God's done some miraculous things through this church and so many in our church that are a generation ahead of some of us have sacrificially given, served, prayed, led, and done everything with all that effort and toil to have a church that's shining for Jesus Christ. But for my Gen Xers, Millennials, Gen Zs, all of you in particular, I need everybody, but for you, I especially call you invest. Invest in this place and start serving, leading, giving, growing and see what God might do for the next 10 years through Austin Baptist Church. September 9th, 2012, these doors were opened. But I believe 10 years from now, God's gonna have done so many more amazing things through this family as God's called each of us to shine because you are the light of the world.